Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. For all things Miami Dolphins related, head to DolphinsTalk.com. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. And, of course, I am talking about the orange jacket-wearing, F-bomb-swearing, wheeling-dealing, son-of-a-gun, Mr. Christopher Colon. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Woo! Oh, what an intro. Am I good? Am I doing good? Am I doing great? I'm doing fantastic, Sam. My son being born, me getting married, me getting two, not one, two aqua and green, uh, aqua and orange uh, Hall of Fame jackets. And tonight, that's my feelings. I'm top four right now, Sam, because football, real football that counts is on tonight. The defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, are at home with fans in the crowd, uh, albeit small. Uh, fans in the crowd against the Houston Texans and my Miami Hurricanes play UAB in the first game of the year. I am stoked, my friend. Now you say the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Houston Texans and there's going to be a small crowd. Are you talking about the number of people in the crowd or are they physically small people like little tiny engines uh, that are in the in the audience? What do you mean? Can you clarify your small crowd comment, sir? Yes, uh, so the owner of the Chiefs is a huge Charlie and the Chocolate Factory fan, and that actor that played the um, Oompa Loompa, there's going to be thousands of those. That's a terrifying thought, actually, Chris. Can you imagine just you go to a football game, and you're the Houston Texans, and you're pumped. You're on national TV. Everyone's looking forward to this, and you walk out, and you see like 3,000 Oompa Loompas just dancing in unison and not even talking about the Chiefs. They're just Oompa Loompa. I would, I would forfeit. I would, uh, I would lose the game by forfeit. I was like, hell no, I'm not walking out there with those little weird red green midgets. I'm done. I, I retire. I quit. I'm going to go become a banker. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with being a banker? Nothing. It's my first choice after football play. Okay, not bad. All right. I, I get it. But yeah, can you imagine that terrifying nightmare fuel? You just run out, you're pumped, you're JJ Watt, and you're like screaming, and there's just like, they're just like, ah, and they're just dancing and having a song about them. They're like, uh, what would you do if you really did that? I don't know. Maybe you're really fat. I'm going on and I want to be squat. I'm going to go against JJ Watt. I don't like the look of it. Oompa Loompa. He's like, what the hell? I, I'm going to say what the hell. This was not on the show sheet. This was nothing to do. We didn't plan to talk about Oompa Loompas. And just off the top of your fucking head, you come up with uh, maybe the second best Oompa Loompa verse ever in the history of Oompa Loompa verses there. You somehow tied in J.J. Watt squat and uh, did it while like in perfect pitch there, Chris. Well, the, that is why he's a two-time Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen. That right there. That got him the second jacket. Just that Oompa Loompa one right there. I'm, I'm almost going to nominate you for a third Hall of Fame inductee just based Holy on that, sir. Shit. I'll take it. I, I like odd numbers. Uh, well, okay. 
that's an odd thing to say, but you know what? <laughs> that is what Perfectville is. Welcome to Perfectville, citizens. We're here. We're talking. It is opening night. We're actually recording this about an hour before kickoff between the Kansas City Chiefs and, yes, those very same Houston Texans with J.J. Watt, all the Oompa Loompas and regular folks in the crowd that they can get. Um, I'm excited. You're excited. But this is going to be a, di- a season like none other there, Chris, and that is because, again, the COVID thing going on. Uh, there's a lot of changes in place. There's a lot of things that are going to be different about this season. What's the one thing you are most looking forward to uh, with regards to the changes or the adjustments? Is there is there something out there, whether it be a rule change or just how it's going to look on TV? What's the one thing you are most looking forward to seeing? Well, I don't know if I would say looking forward to seeing. I guess I'll just say I like that they uh, progressed through this and made and they're innovative. So um, there is a, a news story that broke not too far back that the NFL approved of and sent every single team crowd noise to be able to use. Mm. So they're they're being innovative, and I like that. The NBA is doing a really good job with that, um, where they're chanting defense and they're uh, you know cheering and things like that. And of course, there's some kinks they got to work out. But some teams are going to have some fans um, mixed in with the crowd noise. I heard one of the reporters for the NFL Network today, right before coming onto the show to record. Uh, that's there at the Chiefs Stadium, and she said she heard kind of like the uh, uh, the rehearsal of the crowd noise, and it's going to take some getting used to. So it is definitely a work in progress, but I guess I'm just looking forward to seeing how authentic that sounds. Uh, the NBA is a little bit easier to do that. And the NFL, too, they do a real tight camera angle, but there's nothing better than somebody breaking a long run or something, and you hear that crowd noise and that cheering. I don't know if they have an intern or somebody paid to do it that's like right on the buttons ready to fire that up. But that is something that I'm I'm hoping not to miss from NFL games, and we're going to find out in a few hours. You know, I, I'm looking forward to somebody messing up the crowd noise, right? Like you said, they have pre-approved <laughs> crowd noise that they can use for various situations with defense or whatever you know the the home team chant is. But I'm hoping that somebody is not you know on top of it, and somebody does break like a long run or something like that tonight, and all of a sudden you just hear like three people that are like, "Go, run!" <laughs> run you fucker run just god damn it run like every now and then you'll get that at a baseball game during a regular season where there's somebody that's too close to the hard mic you know right below the broadcast booth and you just go hey motherfucker get me a beard and you're just like that was worth sitting through a boring baseball game on tv <laughs> that's what i'm i think that's what i'm looking forward to is what is going to go wrong in a professional sense right i just want to know what's going to go wrong is somebody going to hit the wrong thing and yell defense when the home team is trying to uh kick a game-winning field goal or you know what is what could possibly go wrong? So when we look back after this week and go, man, I'm so looking forward to the rest of this uh, entire season of Bizarro. Well, we already brought up Oompa Loompas, and we're notorious for going <laughs> off script. So I will go ahead and do that as well. Oh, I'm going to make a ridiculous prediction, Uh-oh. and I'm hoping I'm hoping that that happens in the Tampa Bay New Orleans Saints game. And I hope old man Brady goes out there in his orange jersey. You know, they called him they called it Tampa Bay today. Oh God! Like I saw that on my lunch, and I almost vomited on my wife. Like it was hard. <laughs> I just told her to look at the screen and read the words. Like that's all I said, and she went Tampa Bay, and I was just like, like I almost puked. It was ridiculous. But I hope that happens and there's a snafu where Brady's out there and the crowd's like the fake crowd is cheering or something when they're not supposed to. And this idiot goes and puts his arms out like the angels in the outfield and starts trying to quiet the fake faux crowd. And everybody can make a meme about it. Everybody can laugh at him. And it's going to be the funniest fucking thing ever of week one. Yeah, week one, it sees a matchup of Drew Brees and Tom Brady, which, you know, 20 years ago, you'd be like, wow, what an amazing matchup. And now you're just like, which one of them's going to shit their pants first? I mean, they're 
combined age of 123. Yet uh, they're probably still the top 10 quarterbacks for both of them. So I can go fuck myself with that comment, I suppose. Um, so the Gatorade, they have ta- uh, tapioca pudding on the sidelines. Yeah, and, but that, that does bring up an interesting point here, Chris. I mean, obviously, we're Miami Dolphins. We are citizens of Perfectville. We are Dolphin Central. But what what game outside of the Miami Dolphin game? Because we're going to talk all about the Miami Dolphins and doing the Patriots later on in this show. But what game week one are you most looking forward to outside of the Miami Dolphins doing the Patriots tilt? Well, there's a few of them, and I, I, I'm interested to see Philip Rivers as a Colt. You know, these new guys in new locations, you know, Fournette and Tampa, it's going to be weird and cool at the same time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Trubisky really, like, plays well because he earned the starting job over Nick Foles there in Chicago. Uh, but uh, honestly, it, i, I got to admit, it, it, I've said it multiple times to my family members and everything, that I'm actually kind of excited that the Saints and Tampa Bay game is at 4 o'clock so I can watch it after the Dolphins' 1 o'clock game. I, I am interested to see this because no matter what Tom Brady has done, how much control he's had over the AFC East, and you can hate him till your eyes turn red, which I have and I do, uh, but you respect him as a football player, and, uh, and it's interesting. I just like fun storylines, and we're wrestling fans, Sam. That's what we like. This is like Hulk Hogan joining the NWO or leaving the NWO. You know, Tom Brady leaves, and now it's like, is he going to be good without Belichick? Is he going to be good with Mike Evans? Is he going to underthrow Godwin? Is Gronk back to his normal self after his WrestleMania appearance and, and his weight loss? Like, who knows? The storyline's crazy. Drew Brees might be in the last season of his career, and here we are. We're starting the year with Tom Brady in the NFC East, which I live in Carolina Panthers country, so that's their division, and that's all everybody's talking about. And it's a 4 o'clock game. It's two legends playing quarterback on uh, Brady on a new team, and Drew Brees is holding tilt, trying to keep uh, control over his division, and Tom Brady's coming in saying, hey, bitch, I've been running the AFC East. Now I'm going to take the NFC East. It's my turn. So Or the NFC South. So like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that game, honestly, because I got Mike Thomas – Mike Evans, Gronk, and a bunch of other players on fantasy teams too. So it's it's a perfect scenario. Uh, there you go. That's your opinion. I think the team or the game to watch outside of the Miami Dolphins and doing the Patriots is the Chargers and Bengals. No, of course not. Not even people on the Chargers and Bengals want to watch that game. They're going to have like a little uh, mobile device on, on them watching something else. There's some good matchups here week one. I mean, you've got uh, uh, the Packers and the Vikings, right? A classic matchup of uh, NFC North opponents. Of course, you have the Bills and the Jets. I mean, that, that one hits close to home because the Bills are supposed to be the team to beat in the AFC East. But could they trip up and step on their own dick and all of a sudden lose to the New York Jets week one? And all of a sudden, Adam Gase is sitting at the top of the heap here uh, when everyone thinks it's just going to be a dumpster fire which it will be, but it's possible that they beat a Josh Allen-led Buffalo Bills team. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the AFC East matchups that we have, not only the Dolphins and Patriots, but also Bills-Jets. And I am a sucker for classic rivalry. So I think the Packers and Vikings is a, is a team or a game that I will, I'm going to probably try to invest some time in watching. Have you ever seen a team, Sam, speaking of that? I saw a, a, an interview with Aaron Rodgers. Um, there's a lot of talk about the, the 49ers, the Seahawks, um, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and, and the Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, that's all you're seeing. And Aaron Rodgers came out and said, like, when's the last time you saw a team that was 13-3 and three right. last year being so under the radar? Like, the, the, the Green Bay Packers have been talked about nil, none, at all. I've not seen anything about them. I don't even know who they are. Do they make cheese or do they play football? I don't know because no one's talking about them. It's nothing but Brady throwing it to Gronk. 
and talking about Drew Brees and all these NFC teams, they're really sleeping on the Green Bay Packers and NFC. That is an intriguing matchup. Yeah, they really are. And I mean, I guess the Vikings are about the only other team that's going to give them any sort of uh, competition there because I don't think the Lions really have it. Although every now and then Matthew Stafford puts together some games where you go, wow, this is going to be a Super Bowl team. Um, they do have a lot of talent there, but I don't know that the Lions are going to be there. And the Bears, I mean, Jesus Christ, when, the last time the Bears were relevant, uh, I think I was two years old. I mean, that's how long ago it's been since the <laughs> Chicago Bears were actually a bona fide team that had to, you had to worry about year in and year out. Um, yeah, I mean, the Packers are going to win that division, most likely. They're going to be in the playoffs again, most likely. And before you know it, you're absolutely right. It's the NFC Championship game, and you're like, wait a minute, they're 12-4, and four, and they're one game away from the Super Bowl. I didn't even realize they were still in the league because nobody's been talking about them. So I, I'd like to see them come out and, and play the Vikings and, and put their stamp early on uh, that NFC North because I think the Vikings are about the only other team that might give them any sort of, uh, you know, uh, fits when it comes to the NFC North there. Uh, what else is happening, Chris? What else do I got on there on the on the old show sheet here for our first topic? We can move on to some cuts, Sam. We made some big-time cuts uh, for the Miami Dolphins, some surprises, a lot of surprises, and a lot of things that we talked about in previous episodes. But, man, really, uh, there was one that stands out. Obviously, we cut Kalen Balazs. Yes. We cut Shaq Calhoun. Mm. And we cut uh, Kirk Merritt, who we have re-signed to a practice squad, and he was injured, so that was kind of not a surprise. But one big one, one – what that really stands out, Sam, of course, was that we came to the agreement to release quarterback Josh Rosen. Well, this is uh, this is an interesting uh, half prediction that came true by you on the very last episode of Perfectville, Chris, because I believe you said there's no way we cut him. He knows the offense. He's cheap. There's no reason <laughs> for him to be cut. However, if he were to move on, I could totally see him in Tampa Bay uh, learning under Tom Brady. And wouldn't you know it, you were wrong about the cutting because he was like the first name released when all the names started coming (laughs) down. But where did he end up? Lo and behold, Tampa Bay under Tom Brady. So you got it half right. And if I know anything about math, if you get to half, you get to round up. So you got the prediction totally 100% right, Chris. If I'm betting 500 in the MLB, I'm going to the Hall of Fame, baby. (laughs) You are the Hall of Fame if uh, if you're batting 500 in Major League Baseball. So... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, look, Josh Rosen, it it makes sense. I mean, everyone kind of scratched their head, but here's the thing. I'm going to boil it down to this, and I know it's not this simple, especially in the age of COVID. Wanting Josh Rosen to be active on game day in 2020 and beyond for the Miami Dolphins essentially means you are choosing to have Tua fail. And I know people are going to say, no, that's not true, and understand why you can make that argument, but here's the deal. The Miami Dolphins were not going to keep Josh Rosen. That much we know because they didn't keep Josh Rosen. They weren't going to get anything for him. They came out and said, we tried. There was nothing out there. So at that point, you owe it to Josh Rosen because he seems like a nice enough guy to let him go and go sign somewhere else. You got to remember, this guy was not able to choose who drafted him. Okay, He was not able to choose where he got traded to. Okay, This guy has probably had the worst timing slash luck of anybody who's ever spent two seasons in the NFL as a top 10 overall pick who gets traded after his first season to a team that needs a quarterback but doesn't want him to be that quarterback. He's earned the right to go sign anywhere he wants, which is, in this case, Tampa Bay. He's going to learn under Tom Brady. How do you not learn under Tom Brady? And he's going to have an actual opportunity in a year or two uh, to possibly be the quarterback and he'll still be in his early to mid 20s so I think I think the Miami Dolphins did the right thing for the organization and they did the right thing for the player that they cut as well which is very rare you don't see that very often on the business side of football but I think they did the right thing here they let him go they let him go sign wherever it is he wants to go sign and at this point it's up to Josh Rosen to make it happen one way or the other no more excuses 
Josh Rosen is the freshman cheerleader that's dating the high school quarterback, uh, and he's a senior and popular as hell. And then a new girl moves from Georgia, and I don't know why Georgia, and she's really good looking, and she's a sophomore. She's a little bit more mature, and the quarterback leaves her for her. She gets embarrassed, can't be seen in school, and transfers to the school across the street. Again, starts dating really good-looking guy, and again, a new girl moves, this time from California with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, and the quarterback takes her and dumps her and leaves her. Rosen's been dumped twice for a better, younger quarterback the next year. I've never, other than injury, Sam, seen anybody with the worst luck coming into the NFL. I've never seen it. I can't think of it off the top of my head, not counting injury. Just the absolute unbelievable situation he got put in where he's drafted 10th overall, already passed over by a few guys, and he's pissed off already. If you remember draft night that yep. night when the Cardinals took him. Then he's traded. <laughs> with the, he had That's the only team in the league that year, by the way, Sam, that had the worst offensive line than the Miami Dolphins. Right. Josh Rosen's rookie, rookie year. Gets traded because they get Kyler Murray. We take him. Hey, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here, here our future. Oh, all of a sudden, Tua falls to us at five. Here comes Tua. You see ya. So I think we did the right thing by Rosen, uh, if that's true. If we didn't have any suitors, I really find it hard to believe that like maybe Jacksonville or somebody didn't offer a seventh-round pick, and we went, eh, that's kind of fucked up to this guy. We're not going to do this again. He deserves better. Let's let him just be free and pick his own team, and we're like, nudge, nudge, choose the NFC, and he went to Tampa uh, and picked a spot where he can play with Bruce Arians behind Tom Brady and really just take his time and still live in Florida. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, he cleared waivers. It's not like all these teams were clamoring to go get Josh Rosen after we let him go. I mean, he was just out there for the taking and nobody bit. So I totally believe that they, we just didn't have any anybody there, which yeah, is true. damning, too, because when you think about it, the other guy that we cut, which was not a surprise, Kalen Balaj somehow got us a seventh-round pick before he went and screwed that up as well. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about Kalen Balaj because, you know, good luck to Josh Rosen, but he's on the Tampa Bay Bucks now or, or the Tampa Bay Bucks, so uh, we don't need to talk Ugh. about Josh Rosen anymore. But uh, let's talk about Kalen Balage because uh, I just envisioned in my head that they called him up and said, "Hey, man, uh, we need you to come by," and uh, they told him we're, we're going to release you. Do you think he was upset or shocked or surprised on some level? Like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? You just brought me back. <laughs> I thought you wanted me. You just brought. You just traded back for me from New York. It's like, no, we didn't. Uh, you just happened to not be healthy enough to actually be there. But he was actually cut on an injury settlement. So apparently something was going on with uh, Kalen. B- 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 wow, something's going on with me, uh, Kalen Balaj there. So he's no longer with the Miami Dolphins. This He's going to come back in three years. He's going to be back with the Miami Dolphins in three years. So before I say goodbye forever, I'm just going to say goodbye for now to Kalen Balaj because at some point, Kalen Balaj is going to come back from the dead and haunt us and fumble on the two-yard line. I just know it. <laughs> Running backs are such a diamond dozen. I don't know if he comes back anywhere. Well, uh, well, time only tell. Maybe he calls the Rock, and uh, he's the new starting running back for whatever team is going to be in the XFL in South Beach. Who knows? No longer our issue here. But there are some things that we do need to talk about outside of the cuts here, Chris. Uh, and that is what the roster looks like, the 53-man roster, because there's a couple of things that happen, not only just from cuts, but we also made a trade. So the Miami Dolphins have been very active, not only in the uh, – transactional market of free agents and draft picks, but they also have made a few trades. Uh, They went and got another rookie, and I'm just breaking down the roster here, Chris. The Miami Dolphins have six wide receivers, which isn't really much of a surprise. Uh, They have six running backs on the roster, which I think is a surprise. I believe they have 12 defensive backs, 
which also surprises the hell out of me. The roster makeup of the 53 men has uh, one guy over the age of 30, which is starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I believe is actually over the age of 60. And then they have like 20-some-odd players that are under the age of 25. They're the second youngest team in the NFL uh, currently, and they have the youngest player, if I'm reading this right, in Noah Igbodigabrobly, uh, who we drafted in the first round out of Auburn this year. So we have a very, very young team and a very odd makeup of the 53-man roster. I cannot remember a time that we had six wide receivers, six running backs, three tight ends. I mean, the skill position players are really, really deep in terms of the amount of people, Chris. I mean, a normal makeup's like four running backs, five wide receivers, two, maybe three tight ends. Uh, they've shrunk down on the amount of offensive linemen they're holding. They only have two quarterbacks instead of three. And then uh, the same on defense. I mean, not as many linebackers as I thought as well. I, what do you make of this weird kind of makeup of the Miami Dolphins roster this year? I think it might be signs of things to come and things that are changing in the NFL. When you look at a Mike Kosicki who – uh, technically isn't the starter at tight end, but he might be the starter in the slot receiver, but who knows how they use him. The kind of depth chart is kind of eh, uh, not really an end-all be-all because these coaches are starting to be uh, so vigilant in, in being different and being uh, against the norm where you'd like line up and you're like, well, we got one tight end set, one guy in the slot, one guy at receiver, and then a running back, and that's it. Go in motion and run a curl, buddy. Like the, the, We're not going to be as cookie-cutter black and white anymore. There's a new NFL. And I think that's why Raekwon McMillan was uh, uh, disposable here because uh, like you mentioned, we have all these defensive backs because we're going to run more nickel and dime formations because other teams are going to have faster running backs, faster slot receivers, guys that can do it all. And we're starting to fit one in the same when it comes to our offense with the, with the trade for, for Bowden that we did. And then for the, the pick of Malcolm Perry from Navy, these guys are, can play running back, quarterback, receiver. We might be running some wing T, three running back sets. Like we could do anything. And as a defensive coordinator at the middle school level, I could imagine you throwing me two different things to look for uh, other than – as opposed to even like 10 things to look for where anybody could be in a different formation. You can't sit down and go, well, he's on the field now. You know they're going to run this or he's on the field now. You know they're going to go deep. you got to keep them guessing, and that's the new NFL, and that's what we're doing. We have speed and skill guys for days, and I think it's a sign of COVID, Sam, because you're going to need that depth. You never know when somebody's going to be out. And you well, and I think that's – so. you're seeing that with other people in the league too. The Philadelphia Eagles basically have a 41-year-old journeyman quarterback who isn't even going to join the team. He's going to sit at home in Texas and be the – what is it? The uh, he's on the practice squad at 41 years old, and he's just going to study film from there. And if they need him, they'll call him up, and then he'll he'll join the team. But what a life! Get paid to be a quarterback for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles while never leaving your home in West Texas. You're right; it's the weirdest thing ever in terms of how you're going to make up your roster. Um, speaking of it, we talked a little bit about it. Lynn, Lynn Bowden Jr., a third round pick for the Oakland Raiders, just this very uh, off season here, Chris. He gets traded to the Miami Dolphins for a fourth rounder, the same fourth rounder that the Las Vegas Raiders sent to us for Raekwon McMillan last week or two weeks ago. Uh, so basically we give them Raekwon McMillan and, a f- and and that's it. That's really what, what they got. And we got, I believe, a sixth-round pick back with Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, yet another rookie, another guy who can, like you said, play quarterback, play running back, pay- 
play wide receiver. I think he's best suited as a uh, as one of those things that can you know one of those players that can line up just about everywhere. But you have him, you have Malcolm Perry, who we have listed as a running back. I think he's probably going to be more of sort of like a wide receiver, um, which means you now have mm-hmm. seven wide receivers if you if you break it down that way and five running backs. Uh, lots of depth, depth, lots of young players. I, I can't even remember, Chris. Uh, do you happen to know how many rookies made the initial 53-man uh, squad here for the Miami Dolphins? Oh, I have no idea on the actual number, but it's got to be a lot. We are a super, super young team. I want to say it's eight or nine. I think it's like eight or nine rookies, if not ten rookies, if you count Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, there's a lot of young people. That's, I mean, that's that's almost twenty percent of your roster at that point uh, that are are brand new. So that's something I want to keep in mind as well. I mean, I think we all expect the Miami Dolphins to be better this season as a team, as a unit. Um, but they're also the second youngest team in the NFL, and they have a lot of rookies, and they haven't had a lot of time to gel. So we could be better and still almost have like the same record as last year. You know, it's, it's a very bizarre type of year. I just want everyone to keep that in mind as we take a look at this roster and see how it's broken down on each position here, Chris. Something else to keep in mind, speaking of rookies, we have two offensive linemen that are starting for the Miami Dolphins that are rookies. Uh, that would be first-round draft pick Austin Jackson starting at the left tackle. And then you also have uh, not Robert Hunt. He's uh, he's not starting. Who was the other guy? Uh, Solomon, Solomon Kinley. Solomon Kinley. From Georgia. Uh, big, massive, giant of a man. Solomon Kinley, who likes to hurt people, from what I remember, uh, is also starting, I believe, at what, right guard? Is that correct? Yes. So two rookies. Uh, <laughs> if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're kind of looking around going, Gee, thanks. You know, probably my last season as a starting quarterback, and you're going to give me two rookies. But I've heard nothing but good things about this offensive line, which is very weird, Chris. You don't hear that very often about Miami Dolphins offensive linemen. Uh, but I've heard nothing but good things from all the reports coming out of camp. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this. Uh, Brian Flores isn't the type of coach that's going to start guys because they're rookies. Uh, it, they earned it. Those guys earned their spots. Like Austin Jackson, you're a first-round pick. I don't care. You are a Miami Dolphin now when you put that uniform on. So he's not the kind of guy that's going to you know, force a square peg into a round hole just because you're a first-round pick and, and start him and let him get some uh, you know, baby steps in him before he actually earns his spot. No, him and Kinley earned their starting roles, and I've heard nothing but good things from the other linemen, and that's who you want to listen to. You want to listen to Karras. You want to listen to Jesse Davis. Then you want to listen to these guys that have been there, been in the trenches, and they trust these guys next to them to not only be smart but be strong, to be mean, and know what they're doing. And you're looking at a guy right now, a Kinley. I'm really excited to see him at right guard. I mean, he reminds me of a Jamie Nails, but on yeah. steroids. You know, He wants to hurt people. He's huge. Playing the SEC uh, from Georgia. Uh, Kirby Smart literally like called him in tears because he's like one of his favorite players he ever fucking coached. And that's unbelievable. That guy's been coaching for decades. Um, this guy is going to be special. And we got Hunt, like you mentioned before, backing him up. But he is our right tackle in the future or our left guard of the future or even our center of the future. That guy can do anything, too. He came from a smaller school. So obviously he's going to be a little green behind the ears. But I, I can definitely see him starting by midseason. Well, he's got a mean streak to him, and you know, you look at Robert Hunt, you look at Michael Dieter, who uh, was our starting center last year. He's now uh, the backup center this year, and you look at Austin Jackson, and you look at uh, just the young rookies and and second year players that we have. And if if the reports are true, if we are able to land on two or three of these guys, we have an offensive line that's going to be young, that's going to gel together for a very long time, and they're big, they're fat, they're mean, they're nasty, and that's exactly what you want in front of Ryan Fitzpatrick and ultimately Tua. Um, it it it, it 
it gives me hope long term that the Miami Dolphins plan, uh, this this rebuilding plan that they have, seems to be headed in the right direction. That is building those trenches, getting those big bodies up there uh, that can rush the passer, rush rush the passer. Easy for me to say, and block for the passer on the other side there. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do against the New England Patriots. We're going to talk about that game on the other half of this show. We're also going to be joined, Chris, in just a little bit by Kevin Dern. Do you remember Kevin Dern, Chris? No. No, neither do I. No one knows who Kevin Dern is. We're going to introduce <laughs> Kevin Dern. No, for those uh, long-term, long-time uh, citizens of Perfectville, remember Kevin Dern. He was the co-host of the Phanalysis podcast, which was the other podcast that was produced under the Welcome to Perfectville banner. Uh, he hosted that with Mr. Travis Wingfield. Uh, he's an amazing writer. He's got a great mind for football. He's going to join us here. Uh, I shot him a text just a little bit earlier today, Chris, and said, hey, would you mind jumping on the show and talking all things Miami Dolphins? And he said, yeah, as soon as I can get these dogs to stop barking, I will be on the show and we will uh, we'll do it up. So uh, there's a story there. We'll talk about that story with Kevin. We'll see if we can ever get to the bottom of Snossagegate here, Chris, in just a little bit when it comes to Kevin Dern. But before we get to that, uh, I wanted to take a look at just a couple other things on this uh, roster build that the Miami Dolphins have, have, have done here. Uh, interesting little tidbit, I thought, was that the, the tight end one, TE1, is not Mike Gesicki. It is actually Dallas Smythe, and Mike Gesicki is number two on the depth chart. What do you make of Dallas Smythe being the quote-unquote top tight end for the Miami Dolphins here going into the 2020 season, Chris? I don't look anything into it. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I think more that means Mike Isicki's, uh This might be mind games to the Patriots. Who knows what it is at this point? Mike Isicki, uh had it, had his best year last year. Um, he looks in shape from the videos at camps. Um, he is more dangerous than just a normal tight end. Again, a little bit more of that new NFL that I was talking about before. You put him in a slot. You put him in motion. Uh, he's going to match up differently on a strong safety or a linebacker, and that's what we're going to look for. So we're looking for mismatches. We're looking for uh, them to make a mistake, and he, we take advantage of, uh, of personnel. Smythe's going to be one of those guys that we can just plug in and be another tackle basically for a run game. He's going to be Jordan Howard and Matt Breida's best friend. Uh, Gisecki, we know there's no secret that he is uh, uh, not the greatest blocker in the world or drawler of Miami Dolphin logos, but he is a <laughs> damn good slot receiver, uh, big target, good hand speed. And um, he had the game winning touchdown against the Patriots last year. This means nothing. Yeah, I think this means we're going to have a lot of two tight end sets. That's what that means. If Mike Gisecki is your number two and Dallas Smith is your number one, that means you're running a lot of 12 personnel as far as I can tell. Uh, no, I, I think you, you I think you nailed it, 100%. I think Dallas Smythe, if he is the starting tight end, it's because we're lining up to to run the ball with Jordan Howard and possibly Matt Breda. Um, he is going to be much more of your inline blocking tight end. I mean, yes, he can catch the ball, uh, but he's going to be there to help shore up the run game. And if you look at, especially this matchup against the Patriots, as we will get into in just a little bit, there's an opportunity for the Miami Dolphins to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And if that's yeah. the case, then yes, you want Dallas Smythe out on the field, you want him next to those rookie tight end or uh, rookie left tackles and uh, right guards and all that other fun stuff out there. And you're going to line up with, with the best blockers you can. And you're going to turn around and say, hey, Jordan Howard, you see that hole right there? Well, why don't you think about maybe running through that and then going and getting yourself a touchdown? Uh, I think that's really what the game plan is, is uh, you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. And then also at the same time, when Dallas Smythe is in, I think that gives us a little bit of a clue into what we're going to be doing here come week one. And that is trying to run the ball as much as we possibly can. But we're going to talk all about the New England Patriots and Miami Dolphins on the flip side of the show here, Chris. Right now, we're going to take a little bit of a break so that I can go potty. You can get a beer. We're going to talk to Kevin Dern. Staff writer for DolphinsTalk.com, former podcast host here 
as part of the Finalysis podcast with Travis Wingfield. And then after that, it's going to be time, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be Chris Collin. It's going to be Sam Marcu talking about week one football, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots. Oh, it's good to have football back. We'll see everybody on the other side. Yes. It's that time, Dolphins, citizens of Perfectville. Winning season returns at my bookie. What is winning season, you ask? Well, winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers around. That's right, cross-sport wagers, citizens. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. That's right, cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. New players, get up to $1,000 in free play. That's right. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Citizens of Perfectville, it is Sam Marcu. It is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer Chris Colin here to talk about Amazon.com. And I know you're rolling your eyes right now because you heard this commercial before, but you know what? It bears repeating. Amazon.com is a trillion-dollar business. Why? Because they have everything you could possibly want there. You need a new Miami Dolphins jersey? They got it. You need a new Miami Dolphins hat? They got it. You need a New England Patriots toilet bowl to crap in? They got it. They have everything. And you can get everything at Amazon.com by clicking on the link on WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com. Yeah, it's true. Just go to our site, WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com, and when you're done listening to this podcast, go ahead and click the link on the right-hand side that says Amazon. Why? Because it'll take you to Amazon.com where you can shop for all those items I was just talking about. And you can do it with no hidden charges or any extra fees at all. That's right, just your normal Amazon.com shopping experience. But by doing it, by clicking on the link on our website, WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com, you throw a couple of extra dollars to the town of Perfectville. Keeps the lights on. You understand. Anyway, Amazon.com by way of WelcomeToPerfectBuild.com. Do it and do it now. Fins up, citizens of Perfectville. All right, joining us on Perfectville, welcome to Perfectville, is uh, a former resident, Chris. This guy was the former co-host of the Finalysis podcast, which was our sister podcast way back in the day. He co-hosted it with Travis Wingfield. He is one of the most underrated, I think, NFL minds, football minds, and he happens to be a Miami Dolphins fan. He's writing currently for DolphinsTalk.com, which actually is uh, the podcast network that we're a part of here, Chris. Uh, welcome back to the town of Perfectville, Mr. Kevin Dern. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. Thanks for that very uh, kind in- intro. You're too kind. Well, it was the intro that you wrote down and said that uh, you did <laughs> that we we say in order to get you back here on the air. But no, we're uh, we're happy that you're here. Uh, it's been a long time since we've actually sat down and talked. In fact, I think the last time the three of us, along with Travis Wingfield, got together might have been the most unintentionally funny moment in the history of uh, Perfectville, which was when we were doing the Finzies. And uh, the Finzies, for those that don't know, for the, for the new citizens of Perfectville, was an annual award show that we did where we gave out uh, awards for, I guess, somewhat serious topics, but also a lot of not serious topics. And I think Kevin had one, like, it was like, play of the year or defensive player of the year. So one of the more serious ones. And as he's reading through the highlights of the uh, nominees, you hear uh, his dogs in the background start barking. And uh, <laughs> it was just so unintentionally funny, but one of the best moments uh, for the first few years of uh, the Perfectville podcast. So 
Happy to have you back. Um, let's get into it, Kevin. So you're writing for DolphinsTalk.com. You actually just released a new article. I think it's kind of previewed the season here, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And I just want to get your thoughts in general. You follow this team quite regularly. You, uh, you're obviously writing about them. What's your overall 30,000-foot view picture of the Miami Dolphins here in 2020? Sure. Well, let me back up a little bit. So the dog incident was because a rogue snossage had rolled under the refrigerator. <laughs> I am right. very happy to report that we were able to get that snossage out. So um, the dogs are, 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 well, one dog now is fine. The other one is, you know, in, in doggy heaven right now. But uh, the, the pit bull who started that whole melee, is doing great. So, um, but yeah, so that was, that was one of the best uh, times I've had on a podcast was the, uh, the sausage incident. Um, and, and yeah. before you get into it, I forgot about that part of the story, but that's what makes it the most funny is because they're arguing and we're like, what the hell's <laughs> happening back there? He's running like a Michael Vick dog ring in the background. And then, <laughs> And then you very seriously, like, matter of fact, like, sorry, guys, there's a snossage that got loose. And we just all lost it at that point. I was like, the Finsies do not matter. Yeah. The Dolphins don't matter. We need to know the outcome of the snossage. I'm glad three and a half years later, Kevin, that we know the yeah. outcome of Snossage Gate. Yes, it, it has been removed. So, um, but yeah, long started, uh, <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, just started writing for, for DolphinsTalk.com over the summer. Um, I think I've got three or four articles out. I'm, I'm kind of going at a slow pace, but uh, just did one. I called it just kind of a week one temperature check, just kind of my, you know, thoughts on the, the entire off season and what has been a very, I guess, unique and very weird year for everyone, you know, football and non-football wise. Right. Um, so, you know, you can go check out my thoughts there on, on Dolphins Talk, and um, I'll try and be uh, – to be doing some sort of either game review or game preview starting next week. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have time to get anything else out for this week's game, but uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, the 30,000 foot view, honestly, I have no idea what to expect. Um, I feel like Miami's roster is, is so much more improved than it was last year. Um, I think they could be worlds better than they were last year and still be like seven and nine sure. because, at least on paper, that schedule looks difficult. You know, you got to play Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. You've got back-to-back West Coast games, you know, cold game in Buffalo likely to, to end the year. So, you know, I don't know. Um, if I had to make a prediction, I would say 9-7 and seven if, if everything aligns well is where I have them. You know, whether that's good enough to get that seventh wild card or the seventh playoff spot, the additional wild card, I'm not sure, but um, I think they'll definitely be better than next year. And, you know, I guess at the very least, I hope they, they at least get to see Tua play and, and figure out, you know, what else they need, you know, to go along with them to really make the offense start clicking. But um, I did have an opportunity to go down and uh, cover the Dolphins-Bengals game last week and or last year in Week 16 um, with Travis, actually, and we got to go into – Coach Flores' media availability after the game, um, and they, they won that game. So I, I'm assuming what I saw was Coach Flo in a, in a cheerful mood. Couldn't really tell. <laughs> but um, everyone we talked to down there just, just loves him. And, you know, he's and just sitting there, you know, I think Travis got in one question. Most of the time it was Kim Bocamper. But, you know, he's just got such a presence, man. And, and you just feel like he's a, he's a great leader and, you know, whether or not they make the playoffs this year, I don't know, but I think they're in good hands moving forward. That's my, my long-winded 30,000-foot view. 
drilling down a little bit on the Brian Flores thing, um, just from what you've heard from guys, what you've seen in the media, um, this is probably one of the first times in a long time, maybe since Philbin's first year before he actually was um, uncovered in the public on hard knocks and really just how kind of lame of a coach he was, that a coach for the Miami Dolphins has had pretty unanimous praise. Um, from the players, from former players, from current players, or, uh, or players that don't even play for us, that uh, and the network guys that are talking good things about Brian Flores. What do you think is different about Brian Flores and what he's bringing to the Miami Dolphins and what you can tell um, makes him different than any other coach that we've ever signed? Because he just, it, it, I, I think you guys can both agree that it just feels different this time around yeah. that we finally found our guy. No, I, I think you're dead on with that. Um, I guess for me, the biggest thing is, is accountability. Like he's not afraid to cut a player or trade a Minka Fitzpatrick. If, if they're not buying into what he's preaching about being team first and accountable to the team. Um, you know, that, that's my number one take on it. And number two, I, I think he's just a very smart coach, but he's also very eager, you know, to learn and, and to try new things. And I mean, how many first time coaches, you know, I know some of the Dolphins assistants got hired away, but, you know, who fires an offensive coordinator after one year and, you know, replaces, you know, seemingly half the offensive staff after after one season. So I kind of like that in him, you know, that he's not afraid to take chances and, and he makes everyone, you know, be accountable for their for their actions. And if you're not, you know, willing to buy in, then, you know, see you later. Yeah, I mean, to that point, we, we, we've heard a lot about the TNT wall, right, that takes no talent. So every time they do something that's stupid or boneheaded that really doesn't take any talent to get right, they got to go run laps, essentially. And as cheesy and maybe, like, junior varsity as that sounds, it still resonates with players because I don't care who you are, especially if you're in South Florida, you don't want to run, you know, and, and you're going to just focus yeah. a little bit more and understand what the snap count is or, you know, make sure you don't jump off sides because running in that heat and that humidity is absolutely terrible. I mean, I'm sitting in 110 degree heat out here in California, but at least it's dry. It's just kind of like walking through an oven out there. It's like, you know, you're getting sprayed with hot water while in hot weather. It's, <laughs> it's just terrible. So it, that that type of stuff, those attention to detail uh, and, and the accountability factor, like you just said, I think is huge as to not only, you know, people performing better but buying into what he is selling uh, because you're right he's holding the coaching staff accountable as well I mean they they have shifted coaches after one season which I think by all accounts nobody expected the Miami Dolphins to win five games in 2019 people were saying it was going to be the worst field of team in the history of the NFL uh, which was bullshit it was not the case but they won five games including a really landmark victory against the New England Patriots that really changed the course of the rest of the season uh, by that I mean basically made it impossible for the New England Patriots to win another Super Bowl and ultimately make Tom Brady leave. Um, what are your thoughts for the, for, for the Miami Dolphins? I almost called them the Miami Derns right there, just so you know. But the Miami <laughs> Dolphins uh, against this same New England Patriots team a year later, back-to-back, if you will, in New England. Uh, what are your thoughts this week, opening week, for the Miami Dolphins drilling down to this game? Yeah, um, I'm surprisingly way more optimistic than I, than I usually am, especially for a road game against New England, you know, only one win since the Wildcat game, and that was last year. So I think as long as they can kind of just, you know, limit Cam Newton's running ability, you know, I feel like last year the two times we played Buffalo, you know, Josh Allen kind of had a nice day running the football or, you know, going off script and scrambling. I think if they can limit Cam Newton, you know, doing that, I think they've got a pretty good chance to win, you know, 
call me a homer if you want, but it just feels like, you know, New England's roster is taking some hits with, you know, I guess guys they lost in free agency. And then, you know, they had, I think, the league leading them out and guys opt out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think on paper Miami stacks up pretty well. I have no idea what to expect just because no one's really played real football since, you know, December, I think, that game was in. So, but um, I feel pretty good about it. Well, you know, I'm going to let Chris chime in here because Chris and I are about to give our predictions as soon as we stop talking to you here. We're going to let everyone know what we think about the New England Patriots game here coming up. But uh, there's something going on there. I think this season, considering how weird it is, Kevin, uh, favors the teams that were good last year that stayed together. To your point, the New England Patriots did not stay together. Obviously, the huge component of Tom Brady leaving, you know, that can't be discounted even if he's, you know, 78 years old or whatever he is now. But they lost a lot of players to free agency. They lost a lot of players uh, due to COVID. You know, you look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think they're, they're returning like 21 of 22 starters from their Super Bowl team. They have the same coaching staff. Yeah, it's crazy. That consistency is really going to make them that much better this season considering the lack of practice time and the lack of you know chemistry in terms of preseason games, not having those. Uh, this New England Patriots team, other than Bill Belichick, which also cannot be discounted you know, in their favor, uh, has a lot of changing, moving pieces, which I, I think I agree with you. I'm a little bit more optimistic than I think I would normally be playing New England in New England, especially early, especially with Bill Belichick still being the head coach of the uh, New England Patriots. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to predict a victory yet or not. But I think you're right. I think we're closer to the New England Patriots than we have been in a very, very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, even even if they do lose, I feel like it's going to be a close game. And I think that's more than you could say, you know, for all of Joe Philbin's times going there, most of Adam Gase's times going there. So I'm excited. And, you know, Sam, you brought up a point earlier, like with the accountability with Flores. I mean, I don't have the numbers. I haven't looked them up. But didn't it feel like last year that Miami had so many fewer penalties than any time Gase was the head coach? You know, oh, they just yeah. seem like a much more disciplined team. and. You know, I think that, you know, it, it, it might go a long way and maybe it saves you a, a chance to win, a, you know, the game in the fourth quarter or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I feel pretty optimistic about, about Sunday. Well, and that's one thing I liked about what Flores did with the lack of talent that we had was that we were more disciplined. So then you sit there and you just put one and one together and you're like, okay, if we can get now good to great players to be that disciplined. It's already hard enough to win in the NFL, especially when you're beating yourself. So you really have to hone in on that kind of stuff. So if Flores can get these guys, the Van Noys, the Byron Joneses, to buy into that, um, that's where all of a sudden the talent can stand out because we're not beating ourselves. We're not going off sides on a third and four, and we're not going you know false start on a second and one, uh, putting ourselves in a hole. So um, really that, that tendency hopefully will roll into the season. But like you said, Kevin, it's so hard to know because there's no preseason, there's no... At anything so there's a lot of young guys that might stand out there's a might, might some be some veterans or some first or second year guys like a Preston Williams we, me and Sam mentioned this a few episodes ago that might hit a hit a wall because we, we don't know that that happens sometimes from each but I want to kind of hone in on a uh, specific group a group that has been the conversation of the Miami Dolphins for what seems like since the 90s like it, we and we can never get it Right. And that is the offensive line. We've brought in a lot of young, beefy talent uh, with Kinley, with Hunt. Uh, we brought in Eric Flowers. Um, 
and then we got, of course, Jesse Davis and Karras and, and all these guys, um, and, of course, Austin Jackson. So what what is your thoughts, obviously without preseason or anything, but from what you're seeing from training camp, what you're hearing, um, I'm hearing some good things, and I'm thinking from just the snippets I'm seeing of uh, training camps and whatnot that Jordan Howard and Matt Breida are having some holes to run through. There, there's some trucks up front, and uh, Fitzpatrick kind of mentioned it a few times in training camp interviews too. Are, are you feeling good about the offensive line? Do you think it's going to take time to gel? Uh, are you optimistic about them at all? Yeah, I'm actually pretty optimistic. Um, you know, one of the pieces I, I wrote for Dolphins Talk was kind of looking at the interior three and just how big they are. And I remembered, you know, this is kind of the basis of the article was Sean Payton gave an interview, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and he talked about how he liked to have his guards and centers have mass and ass. And <laughs> it was because he didn't want people to pressure Drew Brees up the middle because, you know, number one, he's already a shorter quarterback. He's only six foot, kind of just like Tua. And, you know, he's not going to scramble around and, and beat you like Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or Rogers or Wilson or any of those guys, kind of just like Tua. So, you know, I really kind of get why they're doing it, I think. You know, just keep guys off of Tua, you know, whenever that time comes. And Fitzpatrick, in the meantime, for that matter, you know, don't let pressure up the middle. Um, they've got some big dudes up there. I mean, like Ted Karras, I think is the smallest one and he's like 315 pounds. I mean, um, yeah, I think especially given some of the opt outs that new England has this week, Miami can, can kind of impose their will on the run game. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of first game sloppiness and in all facets on both sides. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a couple false starts or, you know, a couple holding penalties here and there. I think the team that kind of just plays through that the most is probably going to give themselves the best chance to win. But I'm really intrigued to see what what Miami's got. And, you know, from everything I heard, Austin Jackson, you know, looks like the real deal at left tackle. So if there's one guy I'm going to really focus on this week, it would it would be him, number 73. Well, I think you just answered the question I was going to have for you there, Kevin, and that was outside of Tua. And, by the way, if our, if our uh, method to winning is to follow the New Orleans Saints – uh, model of getting uh, mass and ass and then having a Drew Brees as a quarterback <laughs> lead the team. I'm all for that. I'm a yes as a Dolphins yeah. fan. Um, but I was going to ask you, outside of Tua, who's obviously most likely not going to play at all this weekend, uh, who is the rookie on the Dolphins team this year uh, that you're most looking forward to uh, checking out or keeping an eye on? Is it going to be Austin Jackson or is there somebody else that you're looking at? I would say one on, I'll give you him on offense, and then Noah Egbenogany on defense. Mm. I'm really curious to see how they use him. You know, I think they've got three corners now that you can kind of, they can all play left and right side. You know, I think Byron Jones and Egbenogany can both play in the slot pretty well. I know X has lined up there in the past, but I, I don't know if you want him covering like Julian Edelman there. You know, he, he's not the most athletic that way, but I'm really interested to see how they use Egbenogany. You know, he's probably one of the few DBs that actually, you know, paid attention to last year in college football that, you know, really tried to play physical against those big receivers at LSU and Terrence Marshall and Jamar Chase. And, you know, he gave up one touchdown in that game, but he had some pretty nice reps against Jamar Chase. So, you know, he kind of caught my eye and, um, you know, being as good of an athlete as he is, he's my pick on, on defense to watch for this year. 
Yeah, you know, and I think here, and I'll let Chris jump in as well, but, uh, you know, look, Noah is a very young, in fact, I think he is the youngest player in the NFL this year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Bill Belichick, if we know about him, he's going to game plan. He's going to try to find the weakness. And having the youngest guy in the NFL as uh, (laughs) part of your starting defensive backfield, I have a feeling that that's where they're going to go and try to attack and make sure that – you know he can he's he's supposed to be out there and earns that first round pick that he got, um, but he's also an Auburn Tiger and Cam Newton's an Auburn Tiger. I think maybe Cam maybe maybe Cam just throws him a little nugget out there, a little floater, see if uh, <laughs> he can help out uh, his fellow Auburn Tiger. Who knows? Uh, maybe that's the case. Yeah. But uh, hey, Chris, uh, anything else you got for Kevin before we we move on here? Yeah, one last thing, uh, and this is completely unrelated, and it's really more uh, directly to this weekend. I'm hearing all this talk about, and actually he was listed as a number one don't start for fantasy football, and his number 11 uncle, uh, Devontae Parker, because he's going against the New England Patriots and the defensive player of the year, and Stephon Gilmore, who just an hour ago, Pro Football Talk said, was listed as uh, limited with a hamstring, which, you know, that's Bill Belichick playing his games, I'm sure. Uh, but after the last game of the season last year, I'm going to just ask you, come out and ask you, A, I know you have Devontae Parker in one of your fantasy teams, and B, you're starting him, right? Uh, A, yes, and B, yes. Uh, I'm in three <laughs> leagues. I was only able to get him in one, but uh, he is starting in that one league. So, yeah, I mean, what did he have, like eight catches for, you know, buck 30, buck 40 in week 17? I mean, Without Preston Williams on the other side. And, and a terrible, well, I guess terrible. They played well that day, offensive line, blocking for Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does to, to Gilmore this weekend. All right, feet to the fire. Last question here, Kevin. You talked about thinking that the Miami Dolphins are closer than ever to toppling the New England Patriots. We're not even sure if the New England Patriots are the favorite team in the AFC East anymore. That might go to the Buffalo Bills this season. Uh, feet to the fire, gun to your head, whatever you want to say. Miami Dolphins after week one, are they 1-0 and at the top of AFC East, or are they looking up at the asshole of the New England Patriots and possibly <laughs> Buffalo Bills? I'm going to I'm gonna do it, 1-0. 1-0. Nice. It is, ladies and gentlemen. He's going yeah. out on a limb. Kevin Dern, the man who solved Snossage Gate four and a half years after it happened. <laughs> He's a writer over there on DolphinsTalk.com. Go check him out. Like I said, one of the most underrated NFL minds. And he happens to be a Miami Dolphin and a citizen of Perfectville and an awesome guest. Thank you, Kevin, very much for joining us here on Perfectville. Welcome back to Perfectville. Uh, Chris, anything else you got for Kevin before we let him uh, move on with his line? Yeah, uh, keep enjoying that pool key. Like Sam said, you are uh, a former mem- uh, former resident of Perfectville, but you're like one of those people that move out, yeah. sell your house, but your pool key still works, and you just like come to the neighborhood to use the facility. So you have at it, man. You come back whenever you want. Just yeah, shower before you go in the pool. Yeah, just, just shower before <laughs> and after. We know you're peeing in there, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today, guys. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It was cool. good to talk to Kevin Dern there, Chris. It's been a long time since we've uh, sat down and had uh, a conversation with Mr. Kevin Dern. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Feeling good, man. It's good talking to the guy. He's, he knows his stuff. And uh, one thing I like about him is that he remembers – the good times uh, with us. And then, uh, of course, just talking about it and just uh, – no, he really does. I mean, you're talking about the work he puts in with the trenches, with um, the roster itself, and even having the opportunities he did to be in Miami and uh, interview Flores and get firsthand and, and personal with those guys is, is really cool. I think the thing I was most impressed of was his uh, pronunciation of Noah – 
Uh, oh, he nailed been, it. Been, got, I, I, he said it like four times. I'm like, good, I got it now. And as soon as, uh, as soon as we just said goodbye, I'm like, I don't know how to say that name. So uh, I'm going to just take the recording of him saying it. And every time I have to talk about Noah in the future, I'm going to just drop it. that pronunciation. Yeah. And yep, absolutely. It's, uh, it'll be more work. But I'll make it done. Uh, and also, congratulations to Kevin and Mrs. Kevin Dern. Uh, they have a six-month-old daughter now, Chris. Uh, I think Emerson is her name. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah, that that is incredible. I have a daughter as well. I know uh, the wild ride he's in for here over the next uh, <laughs> number of years. Uh, but that's awesome, and I love the name, Emerson. So shout-out to Kevin Dern. Check him out on DolphinsTalk.com. He, he, he said it right there, Chris, because it is time. He set it up. He said the Miami Dolphins will beat the New England Patriots in New England Week one, a feat we have not done since week 17 of last year. <laughs> but before Whoa. that was the, yeah, I know it's been a long time there, Chris. Uh, but before that, we hadn't done that since I think, what, 2009, if I'm not mistaken. So it's, it's rarefied air for us to walk into Massachusetts and walk out a winner. Um, but it's time for you and I to figure it out because Kevin may know his stuff, but he doesn't predict football the way you and I predict football. Over the five years of us doing this show, we have never uh, predicted a wrong prediction ever. on this show I, I i go i went back i listened to every single episode we've ever done right before we started recording here today here because it's never happened i i tried I, I looked up and down i could not find a bad prediction anywhere yeah i mean you even predicted you predicted josh rosen go to the buccaneers just last week i did i did do that uh we are good at what we do sam and they don't call us the uh first place podcast for your miami dolphins for nothing they don't uh actually they do calls that for nothing because it's a free show but that's not the point the <laughs> point is wait you're not getting paid uh, <laughs> well <laughs> must be that anymore must be the hall of fame in me but uh, i'm getting them re- residuals oh well uh we can talk off the air about uh your performance <laughs> review then because maybe i needed to find you but anyway this game is uh, i am so looking forward to this game for so many reasons not just because they are a rival not just because they are the new england patriots but because i think this is an opportunity early 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 to tell everybody that the Miami Dolphins have arrived and just say you know what not only did we beat your ass last year in week 17 and basically end your empire but we're going to come back and not only are we going to just step on your throat we're going to twist the heel right into your Adam's apple and just call the New England Patriots dead right out of the box that's what I want to see happen here for the Miami Dolphins I don't know if that's what's going to happen here Chris but give me your thoughts let me know what do you think about the New England Patriots Miami Dolphins week one Sunday. I love this game. Um, I'm excited for it too. I'm excited for this game because COVID is taking away so many of the normalcies of 2020 and being a sports fan and being uh, all kinds of different things, just American in general or person living on this planet. So I'm excited for Miami Dolphins Sunday football. There's nothing like it. The fall's on its way. We're playing. The storylines are incredible. Like, you know, Cam Newton now will just join the team. Is he going to fit in with Bill Belichick? How's Bill going to do without Brady? And we got some former players on the team from the Patriots, like Van Noy, who's been named a captain. And then uh, we just won. The last time we played these guys, like you said, when's the next time or last time we've done that? And we can go out there. You've seen it in wrestling. You've seen it in basketball in Game 7. Uh, uh, competitions where the team that's not supposed to win won the first one and they come back and it's like was this a floozy was this something that was a shock and it's not going to happen again and then that team comes up again and beats them again and that's something the Miami Dolphins can do and if they can come out and do that and just put us on the map week one that's going to cause a ruckus as far as network television goes and these uh, football talk shows and things like that because all of a sudden we're 1-0 we won on the road with no home field advantage for them because no crowd 
crowd and no weather advantage because we got them week one. Sam, this sure. has all the writings to be a surprise. It could be a surprise, and it's really, you know, like Kevin Dern said, we're a little bit closer to the Patriots than I think we've ever been before when it comes to talent and uh, just an overall organizational, uh, you know, kind of presentation right now. But you look at this here, Chris, if the Miami Dolphins can go in there and quote-unquote shock the world and beat the Patriots week one, you're looking at a week two home opener against a most likely 1-0 and Buffalo Bills who are most likely the favorite to win the AFC East. If you can somehow daisy-chain two wins together, all of a sudden the Miami Dolphins are 2-0 and and have a firm grasp on the division early, early. Wow. And that would be I, obviously best case scenario. We're not going to worry about the Bills just yet. We're going to focus on the New England Patriots. Uh, you mentioned it. Cam Newton is the starting quarterback. Tom Brady is not. He's over with the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. <laughs> so now we have Cam Newton, former league MVP, national champion at Auburn, uh, big body, can run the ball, can throw the ball. Uh, nothing wrong with Cam Newton as a quarterback. Uh, other than the fact that he plays for the New England Patriots. They also have Julian Edelman, a veteran wide receiving, cheating wide receiver, receiver, but uh, a wily veteran nonetheless. Uh, They have a bunch of other wide receivers that nobody's ever really heard of. They have a bunch of uh, running backs that I think if you were to judge any of them individually on a scale of 1 to 10, they all kind of calc out as a 4, but somehow as a unit they all seem to perform as an 8. You still have Bill Belichick. You still have a defensive backfield that is one of the best, the very best, in all of the NFL, um, you have some interesting matchups. You've got Devontae Parker, who's uh, hobbled from a little bit of a hamstring injury going up against Stephon Gilmore, who, uh, ironically enough, coincidentally enough, whatever, has a hamstring injury himself. You have Preston Williams, who's got a little bit of a knee injury. You've got Mike Gesicki on the injury report with a little bit of a butt problem. Um, you, so you've got your top three talented wide receivers slash tight ends on the injured reserve, or not injured reserve, but on the injury list. You've got a veteran uh, quarterback battle between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton. Uh, there's all kinds of interesting matchups, you know, inter- interpersonal battles here that are going on on the larger scale war. Uh, what are you most looking forward to on this matchup? What individual matchup, uh, you know, uh, defensive line versus offensive line, unit versus unit, what are you looking forward to the most in this game? Oh, I'm 100% looking forward to the defensive pass rush and defensive line and how they hold their containment with Cam Newton. Um, I'm, I live in the Carolinas. I have since 2008. Uh, I've seen Cam Newton the few times he has played the Miami Dolphins. He has torched us, and mm-hmm. it's with his feet. He can run, and we've seen it before with Terod T- Taylor, with Josh Allen. If we have a running quarterback against the Miami Dolphins, they will uh, flip the script on a third and ten. We have everyone covered and then run for 15 yards. It is just a poetry at this point. So we really need to contain this guy. It's on Van Noy. It's on Christian Wilkins. It's on Raquan Davis and Godchild. These guys in the inside, the trenches, uh, and, and Shaq Lawson and whatnot to come out here and contain Cam Newton, force him to throw against our DBs. We've got Xavier Howard. We've got Byron Jones. We've got Noah I. We need to force him to throw the ball. If he's beating us with the feet, they're going to beat us on the scoreboard. We have to keep Cam Newton controlled and contained because he is not the best passer in the league. He skies a lot of passes. His mid-range throwing is inaccurate. Uh, his deep ball is good at times. I will give him that. But where he beats teams and where he cripples teams and where he puts you against the ropes is when he runs for the 30, 20-yard gains and gets his team hype and gets them in position where they can now really open up the passing game because you're worried about him running. you got a quarter, a linebacker spying on him now all of a sudden, and you're taking away a guy in coverage. So we got to contain him on the defensive front, and if we can do that, we can win the game. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And for me, I'm looking at the other side of the ball here, Chris. I think, you know, again, we talked about Devontae Parker. We talked about Preston Williams. We talked about Mike Kosicki. We talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I really do think the key here is going to be the run game for the Miami Dolphins. I'm not super-duper high on our running backs right now. I'm going to be completely honest with that. But when I start to look at this team and I look at what Jordan Howard can do between the tackles and when I look at what the the reports are for this offensive line so far, including two starting rookies on that offensive line, and I start to look at the depth chart and I see that Dallas Smythe uh, inline blocking tight end is now our number one quote-unquote tight end on this team, it's telling me, especially when you have that defensive backfield for the New England Patriots, which is really, really good up against maybe a couple not 100% wide receivers in Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, uh, that we're looking to run the ball in this game. I think we're we're going to try to establish the run early. We're going to try to establish the run often. I think we're going to have Matt Breida and other folks that can be like little safety valves for Ryan Fitzpatrick in case, just in case, uh, the pass rush does come fierce and we can't get those uh, wide receivers off the line or, or can't get them open. We we're going to have people like Matt Breida out there in the flat that can take the ball, turn around, and run. It would not surprise me to see a lot of weird misdirection and screens in this game. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see pulling guards and seeing all kinds of different types of blocking schemes to get some space for Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and anybody else is going to be running the ball. I will say this. I don't care if it's by one yard or a thousand yards, but Ryan Fitzpatrick will not be the leading rusher for the Miami Dolphins in this game or on this season. I think they've invested heavily to try to make sure that they can establish the run so they don't have to play sandlot football from behind all the all the time. Uh, and I think that's going to be the key. If we're down and we have to throw the ball a lot, I think this is a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick can make some mistakes and Devontae Parker and Preston Williams can be ineffective because they're not 100%. If the game is close and we can actually get four, five, six yards per carry, I think that's going to be Miami's best chance to win. I want this to be a low scoring game, something that we can go in there, steal the game. Let's make no mistake about it. We're going to New England. We're going to Massachusetts. We are the second youngest team in the NFL. Uh, it's going to be an upset, you know, should we beat the New England Patriots. And I think we do that by controlling the ball, keeping the uh, – he's not Tom Brady as good as he is, you can, you, but you do need to keep uh, Cam Newton contained, and you have to make sure that he has to play from behind late in the game. I think that's the key. We want to have the lead late so that our defense can hone in and, uh, and, and take Cam Newton out, in my opinion. Yeah, and make no mistake about it. If we force Cam Newton to sit in the pocket and throw the ball, we yes. have the advantage. I trust Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, uh, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, and Noah I to be something that is just almost impossible for him to pick apart, especially with his lack of accuracy in the mid-range and, and, and shorter throws, which it are – the bread and butter of a New England uh, offense where you pick you apart underneath on the crossing routes and on the out routes and then just f- pick your places to go deep. That's not Cam Newton's game. So if we can force him to throw the ball, not allow him to beat us with his feet, uh, I don't see us losing this All game. All right, so who scores the first touchdown for the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 season? Who is the guy that's going to cross, spike the ball, and go, yep, that's the guy who did it. He got the scoring started in 2020. Jordan Howard. I'm going to be just random as hell. One-yard one run. Jordan Howard, one-yard goal line, jump over the pile, touchdown. That's what Chris Cullen is predicting. I'm going to predict Kyle Vannoy. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a pick six or a fumble recovery, but I think this is one of those things, or even if he somehow, some way, lines up on offense and gets himself a touchdown, uh, maybe it's a Landon Roberts, a little bit of payback for what he did to us all those years ago. Um, I think it's going to be a defensive player that scores the first touchdown for the Miami Dolphins here in 2020. That is my official prediction. What is your official prediction for the game? New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, week one. Let's hear it. 
All right, so my official prediction is the first one of the year, Sam. I'm going to go out here, and uh, and I feel like with Brian Flores' defensive background, the the pieces we added on the defense uh, backfield and, of course, our pass rushing being so much better than it was, I'm going to go out here and tell you that Cam Newton's going to be excited at first, and he might even have a first first drive touchdown and be excited doing his Superman pose. But guess what? A Cam Newton-type player – feeds off a crowd he feeds off the cheering he feeds off of doing the superman pose he feeds off of handing the ball to somebody in the front row guess what there's no crowd there's no one to hand it to there's no one to feed off of there's nothing the miami dolphins are a team that's resilient they've been disciplined they won't let a first uh, drive touchdown put them down i see us grinding this game out sam and winning on a late field goal 24 21 24-21, Miami Dolphins over the New England Patriots. That is the two-time Hall of Famer Chris Cullen's official prediction for the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots in Week 1. I guess that means it's my turn to go here, Chris. Well, I've already stated that I think the Miami Dolphins are going to get the scoring started with a defensive touchdown of some sort, or at least a touchdown by a defensive player, but I don't think it's going to end there. I think this team is actually much better than people are giving them credit for. I talked to somebody who has intimate knowledge about the Miami Dolphins, and no, it's not who you think I'm talking about. It is somebody completely different, and they let me know you know what's weird about this whole vibe is that it feels like they know something that the rest of the league doesn't know it feels like they have a secret of some sort and I that gave me goosebumps man when I heard that earlier this week I was like that is what I want to hear that means we we know something that nobody else knows and I think that's going to explode all over the New England Patriots face come Sunday uh, I say we're not only going to win uh, by scoring with a defensive player we're going to score on offense we're going to score on special teams I see you I see your 24-21 I think you're halfway there I think the Miami Dolphins score 24 but I think the New England Patriots are held to a measly 10 points at home in their season opener. Miami Dolphins win 24 to 10, shattering, shattering the uh, minus 6.5 that the uh, New England Patriots are favored over the Miami Dolphins and just uh, causing Vegas, Atlantic City, and all the different bookies out there to tear up their tickets and walk away mad because they're going to lose money on this game. Oh, wow. 10 points. Imagine Bill Belichick held to 10 points on a home opener where he had basically an entire offseason planned for because there wasn't even preseason games. We've been circled on the calendar since April. Uh, if we held them to 10 points, Sam, that is really the changing of the guard in the AFC East. Uh, well, it's time to change the damn guard. We changed our guard on our offensive line, including a rookie, so we can change the guard of the AFC East, whether it be us, the Buffalo Bills, or somehow the New York Jets. I just want to see somebody else at the top of that division other than New England Patriots. You have it 24-21. I have it 24-10. Chris, what else? What other thoughts you got about this game, if any? I'm just excited to see football, Sam. I'm excited to have my family over. I'm excited to hang out in the man cave for the first official game. Um there was no waiting through four preseason games that didn't count. We're literally hitting the ground running here. First game of the year, first time we see these guys in a uniform in 2020, the game counts. It's one of it, one of 16, and this is exciting as fuck, man. I'm, I'm so pumped. The game counts. You know what else counts, Chris? The most okayest fantasy football league ever. That's the other league that's starting up this tonight. In just a couple of minutes, we will be kicking off not only the NFL season, but the okayest NFL or okayest fantasy league ever. I uh, I changed my name, Chris, because you changed yours to the Floor is Lava, which is a brilliant name. Thanks. And I thought, you know what? I had to change mine. It used to be 99 Problems, but a Fitz ain't one. And I thought, you know what? I need to update my name game. I need to get into it as well. So I changed it to One in the Pink, Tua in the Stink. Ooh. And uh, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to, uh, to, to win this league, claim my championship belt away from Jeremy Hagan, and, uh, of course, 
ascend to the top of the fantasy football mountain. And it starts tonight, Thursday night, and all throughout this weekend. Yeah, and, and it, how ironic in this league, all these players, and you and I do not meet once in the regular season. This is shaping up as a, a very skewed bracket of Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan, and where you clearly know who's going to meet at WrestleMania, and that is going to be the showstopper, me versus you in the championship for all the marbles. See, so you said you said Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. I was actually thinking Penn and Teller, where they do that ju- that trick where they never touch each other, but one shoots the other one in the face, and then he catches it with his teeth, the bullet itself. Uh, that's what's happening here. We're not going to touch each other at all throughout the what entire about, season. What about touching each other and shooting in the face? Well, look, I'm just excited for football, Chris. I'm just an excited man for football. It's been a very, very, very long time, and uh, it's about that time. So check it out. You guys, uh, we'll give you guys updates on the Fantasy League, uh, of course, the okayest Fantasy League ever. Uh, but more than anything else, uh, we'll be around all season long. We're excited. You're excited. Everyone's excited for the Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, week one. Uh, special thanks to Kevin Dern once again. And yes. on behalf of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, as well as the two time yes two-time hall of famer christopher colin as well as myself sam marcoux the only thing left to say is goodbye from perfectville Later. welcome to perfectville as part of the dolphinstalk.com podcast network and was created by sam marcoux and chris colin written by sam marcoux and chris colin produced by sam marcoux and chris colin edited painfully by sam marcoux listened to by the citizens of perfectville you can subscribe to welcome to perfectville on apple podcasts stitcher radio google play and spotify you can find our entire podcast catalog on welcome to perfectville.com so go there please Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.